Welcome to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of identity and healing with your host, Dr. Laura Polak, a somatic healer and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Good morning. Good morning. I am so excited. This is season two of The Queer Body, and we have so many new things coming our way. In January, we will have a new website, and at that point, hopefully, we will have some of our amazing presenters teaching classes. There'll be free classes. There'll be in-depth classes, and we are hoping with the community's support, meaning that they show up and that speakers are yeses, that we have a queer conference in the works. So with that being said, we are starting season two, episode one, with Dr. Sasha T. Goldberg. Sasha is a professor, a researcher, an author, an oral historian who holds a PhD in gender studies from Indiana University and a master's degree in Judaism from the Graduate Theological Union. Her work centers on butch women, female masculinities, and lesbian specificity. She also specializes in grief, loss, and pastoral care. In her previous life, she ran an intergenerational LGBTQ and Jewish nonprofits. Her scholarship is therefore interdisciplinary by design, intersectional by dedication, and fueled by the pursuit of access, justice, and equality. Dr. Goldberg has lectured internationally on gender, sex, and sexuality, and consults across a broad spectrum on all things DEI-oriented. She lives in Oakland, California with her wife, Lynn, and her favorite four-pod troublemaker, Phineas. Thank you for so our, for um, me. Oh my God, I'm delighted. Um, for our people who don't know, what's DEI-oriented? Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Okay. So- for example, maybe you need to update your medical forms to be pronoun inclusive. Maybe you're looking to have a training on anti-racism in the workplace mm. uh, or on microaggressions in the workplace. Mm. Um, do some corporate consulting, do some nonprofit consulting. Everybody's working on this and frankly, help is helpful. Yes, absolutely. And so when people do hire you for that kind of work, what is the work that you usually do there? So it ranges anything from doing a quick consult on an intake form or a specific issue they've had in the office and need to think through how to move beyond it, all the way to like six-part series uh, training about changing workplace practices and inclusion, uh, advertising, outreach, kind of the whole spectrum. Fantastic. This is so like, okay, so I have to say we started season one on femme identity and what it means to be femme. So I'm so delighted that we're starting season two talking about butch identity and what it means to be butch. Um, And I'm really interested in delving into that part. But before we do, let's know more about who you are and what does it mean for you to be queer? Sure. So thank you for asking that question. I realized I've been, I, I, I will turn, 42 in February, and I've been queer conscious since childhood and officially out now for almost 30 years. Uh, Started the GSA in my high school, was the first out student, 
but I don't think anyone's ever asked me what does it mean for you to be queer. So (laughs) yeah, like lots of other questions, but I don't think I'd ever been asked that before. And so I've been thinking about it since we first chatted Mm -hmm. and I had to, in my chronological ordered mind, I I had to break it down in terms of decades. Mm. And that kind of made the most sense to me. So uh, just like your your very first interview with the great Sandy Kaplan, uh, my relationship to queer has also changed over these years. And, you know, as a young person and what my beloved mom would call my militant stage with all my motorcycle jackets and boots, you know, it definitely went along with not gay isn't happy, but queer isn't fuck you. Uh, yes. And that was powerful and empowering. And I loved that I had a pink t-shirt of all colors, baby pink that said that. And Mm -hmm. um, that felt great for a while. Uh, And it felt like more of a response to the world rather than a centering of self in it. Beautiful. Ooh, say that again. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like more of a response to the world than a centering of self in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It felt more reactionary and provocative and great and useful, right? Mm -hmm. It was a tool. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my favorite tool even still is the sledgehammer, but I've had to learn to use the scalp. Mm -hmm. I've had to learn to use the pen. And so, you know, queer also meant this radical thing that was being reclaimed in terms of larger community. And I think that that has been a mainstay in some ways to understand queer as an umbrella term for LGBT plus people and communities. And it can be very unifying in that way. And over the past 15 years, I've really, I've really stopped using it. Um, I understand why people want to ascribe it. I understand why people use it. I support it. I personally have come to a place where if I were to make a really lengthy t-shirt, it it might say something like, you know, not queer as in community prioritization of maleness and not queer as in community prioritization of the, what I've termed the emphatically not female, but mm. butch as in proud, proud woman, proud female, female pronoun using woman identified butch. And that at this point to me, and for a while now, feels like it really stands in many ways outside of queer community. Uh, so for my dissertation work, I interviewed butches ranging from 18 to 72. And for example, across the board, starting with the young ones saying, I don't go to events if they say they're for queer community because it's not for me. Tell me and about that. I'm, that's brand yeah. new for me. I didn't know that. So again, like not universal, right? We always have to make these disclaimers and there's a million butches in a million queer community spaces that love it and go. Mm -hmm. For example, walking into queer community spaces where the first question is, what pronouns do you use? Mm. Uh, Or an assumption and an assignation of he, and then, uh, oh, actually, you know, I use female pronouns. Oh, sorry. Right. And it's a backup, but it's somehow equally apologetic for the gaff as it is for like, oh, you still use female pronouns, huh? 
Oh, like you're a little bit dated. Is that Which, what that is? Frankly, I am a little bit dated. Oh, but... honey, you're 10 years younger than me then. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> but inside this body, you know, I'm 85. So, oh, okay, uh, you know, um, but yes, there's a, there's a linguistic conditioning that happens mm. in queer spaces. It also happens now across the mainstream. And again, for all the liberation that it offers, it also can operate to really push those of us who are women-identified female pronoun-using butches to the outside again. And many of us have had that our whole lives since mm -hmm. we were, you know, as a kindergartner, actually as a preschooler, um, and I guess I'm saying this on your podcast now, but I remember wetting my pants on purpose at preschool because if you screwed up your clothes, you got to pick clothes from the, the everybody clothes box. Oh, so I could uh -huh. get underoos that way <laughs> and any other, you know, boy clothing that I wanted. Awesome. Of course, I'm dying <laughs> so, to know which underoos you picked, but I'm sidetracking. Oh, like, you know, probably Superman or Spider-Man <laughs> or ones with even better trucks than dump trucks, you know. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but... For those of us a uh, uh, participant in these interviews who's a few years older than me talked about how as a little kid she was always asked are you a boy or a girl mm -hmm. and that now as you know a 47 year old woman this is like the ghost that won't go away right mm -hmm. it just keeps raising its head tell me who you are is the most benevolent form and i'm gonna assume that you're not a woman because you like your dump truck underoos is not as benevolent it doesn't land the same way got it so that that disheartens me a little bit because you know i also had oh, just another side story i had the leather jacket with the engineer boots and the uh, queer nation sticker poor mom yeah. my mom also wonderful woman a pastoral <laughs> counselor as well mm -hmm. um and i wore a sticker that said just say click on the back of my leather jacket. <laughs> of course you did. And she said, are you really going to wear that into church? I said, I'm going to be me everywhere I go. And she's like, okay. God bless. <laughs> so there I am in church. And so that part of me, that 20-year-old queer, you know, sledgehammer dyke yep. goes, wait a minute. Butchers have always been a part of the queer identity in my world. Yes. So this yeah. is a little bit tragic for me to hear that you are interviewing people and yourself and not feeling like the community is holding you or embracing you. And of course, I want to offer in return in that pastoral care way, like it's not an absolute and there's a lot of tenderness in places and there's a lot of being seen in places, but there's also a lot of erasure, even if benevolent in intention. Right. Even if the intent yeah. is let's create more space for neutrality or non-binary mm -hmm. or diversity, you know, we're, we're still polishing that stone. Right. We haven't arrived and we're kind of getting closer in some ways and getting farther in other ways. Uh, it's complicated. It's complicated. Well, you have a doctorate. So if anybody would have the answer <laughs> to this complication, what, what would you suggest? How do we untangle this a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. I'll just, I'll just whip out my handy to-do list. Uh, <laughs> Come on. You, you know, Your shoulders are broad. <laughs> my shoulders are broad. You they can carry this for uh, us all. I can, but better yet, I don't, I don't mean have that. To. I'm, you do not have to. I'm just being cheeky. <clears throat> I mean, 
but cheek away. I mean, y- you know, it is, it is the hill. It is my hill, right? It's my right. hill. And so I continue that work in the oral history and in the advocacy and in the ways that are queer in terms of dominant queer paradigms now, right? My Zoom name doesn't say my pronoun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's actually not the first thing I want to know about you. I kind of would prefer to know, like, do you have a dog and what kind? And can I pet it? You know, and like, how do you take your coffee? And so those practices of knowing before prioritizing a pronoun, I think, are really helpful. I use it with my students. It's like, tell me who you are without telling me your pronoun. We can get to your pronoun. We have to get to your pronoun. But tell me about your gender without using the word woman or man, right? One of my favorite answers from a a student was that uh, they described themselves as a fluffy chicken. And indeed, it matched their visual kind of soft presentation. uh, And I like that, right? I I like to play with words. I like to think through these things. I like to be present to see what's beyond kind of the current practices of of pronoun pedagogy and also recognize the usefulness. Uh, mm-hmm. I do trainings with the medical settings about like, okay, how can you ask that patient that you've known for 10 years about their pronouns, mm-hmm. right? Like, I do think it can be so useful, but in terms of butch work, uh, my friend, Dr. Stripe Gandera, and I once submitted a session to creating change that said, stop asking my pronouns. Mm-hmm. you know, centering butch inclusion on, it was not accepted. This was years ago. It was not a surprise. <laughs> it wasn't accepted, right? And creating change this year in San Francisco, and maybe we'll do a little friendly queer nation infiltration, right? Mm-hmm. In a good way, right? Mm-hmm. But but this dialogue of how can we start changing it? It's like if you listen to this podcast and you find the ideas that we're talking about, great. Talk about it to other people. If you listen to this podcast and you find it, somehow it rubs you the wrong way. Awesome. Talk about it with other people, right? The way we start talking about it is to start talking about it. And thus far, I've stood in uh, limited company in terms of who's willing to even talk about it, uh, let alone kind of start changing the pace of things outside the conversation. These conversations have happened for years behind closed doors. I mean, Mm -hmm. 15 plus years of people saying, well, I'm only going to say this to you as if I'm like a Jewish priest and a confessional. I can only tell you, I can only say this behind closed doors. Um, Okay. But here I am, your colleague and somebody who this is a brand new idea to. Yeah. And I have so many trans people in my life and I have so many non-binary people in my life. And I want everybody to feel honored and respected and taken care of. And so you and I were kind of talking about this earlier. Like we, we think that like the lexicon is going to fix everything instead mm-hmm. of the authenticity of culturally being with the person. Now I don't really, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll joke with you and say, you know, you're assuming I drink coffee. How dare you assume I drink coffee? <laughs> you know, like Thank you. Yes. Um, there is this piece where it's like, how do we see each other face to face and honor each other? and for a lot of people who who are not in the queer world, who are not in the gender non-conforming yeah. conversations that, frankly, I know we both have been in for many, many yeah. years, um, 
since I've started this podcast, I have many, many parents come to me and say, I don't know what to call my non-binary child. They're not really a child. They're a grown-up. Do I call them a child? Do I, you know, what do I do? And, you know, they're, they're working on expanding their knowledge. So this they, them idea, the neutrality, the non-binary has really been incredible for exploding the cultural matrix in a way. And people are just getting used to it. And now we want to weave in this place of not asking that of certain people. That's freaking confusing. I mean, it's been confusing for years. Totally. So help. So what do we yeah, do? Yeah, so plurality and resilience, right? So when I give trainings about pastoral care, one of the specifically pastoral care to LGBT folks, right? And in settings where, uh, let's say you're the chaplain, let's say you're the doctor, and you walk in this room and somebody's in the hospital bed and you you're not actually sure, right? You're not actually sure. Are they a man? Are they a woman? Are they a trans person? How do they identify? The target question for me centers on what would you like me to know about you so that I can stand with you in solidarity? Hello. I mean, come on. Doesn't everybody just want to be seen? Like, isn't that such a more, oh, like, hello, I see you. I see you. And I'm willing to stretch myself in whatever ways it calls upon to meet you there. Like, Mm -hmm. if you don't drink coffee, I'm going to say, all right, what kind of tea do you like? Their brand? Do you use milk? Do you use sugar? Do you use cream? Why? Because when I have you over, I want to be able to have what you have, right? I want to say, like, I'm welcoming you. Mm -hmm. And some of this is the difference between a community that's so-called inclusive and actually welcoming. Are you ready for me when I walk in the door? You know, are you ready for me when I walk in the women's health clinic? Um, Mm -hmm. Are you ready for that non-binary student who like it is their first day of school and they are not sure where to go to the bathroom and they have like stomach service because they're nervous. And like, what about the lines? Oh, boys over here and girls over there. You know, all of these things we can work through. But one thing I would urge people is we all want it to be this quick fix and it's just not. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the plurality piece to use that in the world and also the resilience piece. And that's the part I would want to offer to our queer communities, right? Is how do we build our own resilience so that the first response to how do you take your coffee isn't, and I joke with you back, like, I don't drink coffee, you know, <laughs> coffee's fucked up, coffee's from these farms, coffee's going to give me a headache. I'm like, okay, what do you like to drink? I need a whiskey, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So some of that resilience, right? But we're out of spoons and we're exhausted and we're like trying to pay the bills. So it's a balance, but leading with good intentions and and in return expecting, unlike my younger militant self, uh, that people do have good intentions or they're trying. Mm-hmm. And so can we be expansive about that? Mm-hmm. I, I so appreciate that. I really do. And, you know, I'm just back to this part because I am like, I want to, I want to fix things. I want to nurture things. It's just who I am. And I'm like, wait, my friend Sasha isn't going to come to my event because I'm calling it a queer event. I don't think we can add the whole freaking alphabet just so everybody feels like, so how, how do we open up the culture? How do we unweave parts of these things so that you feel invited? So I, I, I will come to your event, uh, <laughs> but here. I will say I'm here. We're at the party. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it, it can ring like tokenism. Let's just mm-hmm. put that out there. But at the same time, it's like, who's on your planning committee? Who are your thought partners? And maybe in your own life, you have X, Y, and Z thought partners and you look up one day and you realize like, oh, you know, who's not around? Or you know what we haven't thought of in advance? And how can we operate in ways that are more inclusive so that even, I'll give you an example. Let me just stop midway and say, when I've planned women's events and when I've planned specifically, I, I, I ran a group called the Bull Dagger Group for four years here in Oakland. We'll probably start reprising it again soon. And my experience of saying this event is for women is that the first question, not the third, not the fourth, not the fifth, but the very first question, even in ways that aren't thinking of specific women of trans experience, but just broadly, the question is, well, are, are trans women welcome, right? We've conditioned this into our communities in many ways to be more conscious, right? To raise consciousness, the old lesbian feminist tradition of consciousness raising to say, what about these women? And I would say, well, of course, women of trans experience are women. And so these women coffee are. Coffee is coffee. Welcome. If you're drinking the coffee, yes. Yeah. Right, like, great. Right. Um, so some of that people want the asterisks of saying all women included or all, you know, and I think that's flawed too in some ways, but I want to hold room for both, you know, benign differentiation and say like, we all get to be women and we also get to acknowledge difference in experiences, which is what feminism taught us from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And so how do we honor both of those things? Now on a flyer, <laughs> that is really hard. Um, but, you know, some more expansive language, some more expansive visual cues, and also like who's on the planning committee, right? So if I go to click your event and I see that, you know, my butch pal Stacy Reed is on your event, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a space for butches too. Because she put her two cents in there and she worked her magic and that's super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a quick, quick one size fits all answer for that, but I'm working on it. I so appreciate that. I just know that people out there are working so hard on their inclusion conversations that yeah. to kind of throw in yet another piece is difficult. And I, and I do remember when my first um, community started to come out with um, gender changing. Non-binary wasn't even an option yet. Mm -hmm. And they would say to me, well, you decide what to call me. I was like, oh, don't leave it up to me. I don't know what to call you. And so like, sometimes I would call them she, sometimes I'd call them he, sometimes, you know, and I had multiple friends like this. And then now we've moved forward and we've chosen these non-binary and even that on my medical forms in my office, there's Z, they, they, them. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many that yeah. um, I think for people, even including myself, uh, I, I feel a desire to request our communities, kind of what we're speaking about, to allow humanness. Hey, we're going to screw this up. We're going to screw it up a lot. But if you can be kind and loving and say, hey, I want to know who you are, then there's room to deal with my racist parts, to deal with my transphobic parts, to deal with my butch ignorance, to deal with like all of the parts of me that I'm working on. 
that's the great Leslie Feinberg. Oh, I cut you off that zoomed no, away. My do it. Go for it, love. You're good. You know, the great Leslie Feinberg talked about how it didn't matter what you called her. And I'm, and I'm using her intentionally. Her partner uses her and she, but that the importance was the tone, right? You know, when somebody's being a patriarchal dickhead, Yeah, you know you it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not vague. And so, you know, when I get called he, anytime I go to the Midwest or anytime I go to like a fancy hotel, which is not that often, but please let it be more, you know, (laughs) I understand this is class-based. This is regionally based. This is not about disrespect, right? It's about security and self. And then knowing like, yeah, you know what? Somebody doesn't actually mean this with ill will. And sometimes they do. Mm-hmm. And we know this. We know this to our core. Every queer person knows this in a in a very integrated way, a very embodied way, I mm-hmm. should say. Mm-hmm. Well, it's such a juicy conversation, and I know we can go on and on, but we're not supposed to go on and on. Right. So I, <laughs> I'm going to bring us to the next piece, which is, hey, if you had a piece of work for people to work on their selves at home, what would you offer for our communities so they can have an embodied practice of what we're talking about? So the first thing I thought of, and this is based on my, you know, Lake Merritt walks is like, when you see another butch in the world, make some eye contact. Mm -hmm. And if you see a butch in the world and you're not one, make some eye contact and smile, give a little acknowledgement. And it's so basic, but you, you know, butches, we give each other the nod. Uh, sometimes there's a nod and a smile. Sometimes there's a nod and a cruise kind of depends. And, you know, that moment to be embodied and value of self is not passe, right? That is hard to, to overrate that. And for butch women, particularly as the needle has moved so much about, for example, breasts as a visibility issue and a matter of female designation. There's something too about put your shoulders back in the mirror. Put your shoulders back. Mm-hmm. Stand strong in your boots or your clogs or your sneaks, right? And take that minute and understand that you are coming from this beautiful, beautiful lineage. And it's not an accident that you weren't taught. And it's not an accident that you don't know. And if you're not a researcher, you know, I can send you some links. But there's a whole history there that has been really, really kept under lock and key and criminalized and marginalized, accused of being deviant and uh, mentally unsound. And we've had that water, right? We've had that to drink. It's laid upon our bodies, whether or not we're even aware of it from the time that we're little kids. And so as an embodied practice to really put your shoulders back and stand strong in who you are and take a good goddamn long look at yourself because you're handsome as fuck mm. and stand in that before you leave for your day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Simple, but, but effective. Important. And then what would you say for our non-butch listeners? What yeah. would be a good practice for us as we are... I, I like the, hey, how about treating me as a human and acknowledging I choose to look this way and I'm badass because I'm walking out in my power. Like, you know, like really, that's a yeah. important I mean, distinction. An acknowledgement of 
history and history and solidarity amongst non-butch listeners too, you know, we've taken it on the chin, right? We wear most often the hyper visibility that liberates us, gets us in trouble, imprisons us, all the above. Mm -hmm. And so an acknowledgement of gratitude and space making as these spaces shift to keep us in mind, right? Hear this with an open heart and an open mind, even if it's not your thing. Mm -hmm. Think about it, think it through, right? Take the time to just do a consideration. It might not land with you like, well, she really, this is my jam. You know, it might be like, oh, this is uncomfortable, or this is a struggle, or even more real, oh, well, I don't feel that way, and I'm butch, or whatever it is, right? But be willing to open up to the experience and the knowledge that for many butch women, this is what's real. Mm-hmm. And it can exist in plurality with all the rest of the stuff. And if we're advocating for that big plurality, then we have to advocate for it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Um, and I really appreciate, like, um, I think, I, I'm so sorry that I won't be able to give good credit here. I think it's Carrie Kelly who says, if you're not working at the edge of your uncomfortability, then you're not in growth. And then, you know, what are we doing? So I think if any of this makes you uncomfortable, I think you would agree. Dr. Sasha, Yahoo! we're so glad. 100%. Yeah, because this is where growth happens. Yeah. Agree. Wonderful. Um, So, of course, I would love for all kinds of people, and I'm going to just put a plug out there for you. Um, We have chosen one topic today because it's, you know, we have to narrow. But Dr. Sasha T. Goldberg is a pastoral counselor, works with grief, works with Diversity training has done many trainings um, as a white-bodied facilitator on race um, in diversity spaces and on LGBTQI, LMNOPQRSD spaces, forms, and is um, just transplanted back from where? Indiana and then Chicago, yeah. Yeah, to Oakland. And really would love to support her and all the amazing work she does if you want some pastoral counseling if you want some diversity training with a white-bodied facilitator amazing oh my gosh you should see her cv seven pages long (laughs) how can we find you beautiful yeah so linkedin and uh also dr period sdg at outlook.com and you know at the coffee shop well, some of our <laughs> listeners are in the Philippines, so I don't think they're going to see you at their coffee shop. But well, yeah, I'd love okay. to have their coffee shop as well. Oh, but yeah, I'm on. I'm online. I'm reachable. I'm out there. Um, I'm excited to connect. Is the main thing. Beautiful, and we'll have all of Sasha's information on the website when it's up in January. Meantime, hopefully, it's here in the liner notes. You can reach her there. Anything I haven't asked you that you're like, I have to say this thing. Well, I did make a joke um, with my uh, best uh, trans guy pal here. We're quite we're quite aligned in many, many, many ways. And the last joke was, you know, we can carry heavy things. First, <laughs> you know, we can do hard things. It's like 
we're prepped, we're ready. We've been carrying this weight a long time. And mm -hmm. so like, join us, come, come be in conversation. You know, don't, uh, don't shy away from the hard stuff. We can carry everything. Amen. And as a former hod carrier construction fam, <laughs> hey, I got your back. You know it. That's right. <laughs> I got your back. <laughs> In more than one way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What a pleasure to have you here. There are so many topics that I want to talk to you about, but I think this has been a beautiful meeting of minds. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All a right. total joy. You've been listening to the Queer Body Podcast, where we are redefining the edges of queer identity and healing. For more information about Dr. Laura Polak or our podcast, check out our website, communityholistichealth.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>